0: Hey everyone, welcome to the State of Demand Gen Podcast where we're gonna mash together all the different content types, events, interviews, Demand Gen Live, when I'm a guest on a podcast, LinkedIn content, all here in audio format If you haven't already, I would highly encourage you to sign up for the Demand Gen live sessions that I'm putting together with Catano DiNardi at 7.30 p.m., 4.30 Pacific on Tuesday evenings. Tons of great content in there, lots of great insights, live Q&A, building a little community inside there. I'd highly encourage you to check it out. And now to this episode.
1: All right, today we're very fortunate to have Chris Walker, uh, CEO of Refined Labs, here with us at Aspireship. Uh, if you don't know Chris, uh, I think he is one of the uh, top uh, thought leaders in uh, marketing today uh, and has a very, very unique perspective. And we're going to talk to Chris about how he does what he does, the way he looks at things differently, uh, and how it can apply to uh, individual contributors uh, in a sales role. So Chris, thanks for being here. Awesome to be here, Corey. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. So let's start with, um, let's assume even though you're super out there right now that most people watching this don't know you. Um, let's talk about, uh, your, your process and methodology for marketing, how it's different from, you know, what people do traditionally. Uh, I'd love to just start there and get kind of a quick overview. from you.
0: Sure. So at its most basic form, um, What I do is communication. I think marketing in a lot of cases just comes down to who do you need to communicate with? Are you able to reach them? And does your message resonate in some way? Like that's pretty much what it comes down to. And what I found um, as I entered the marketing world like eight years ago and have continued to progress in my career is that most people are trying to communicate in places where people are not paying attention anymore a marketing standpoint. So the things where I came in to companies where they would do do things like build trade show booths or send direct mail or um, do a lot of outbound sales, right? Those are all t- types of ways. And then the marketing team would support the outbound sales. And when you actually like go in and measure the effectiveness of those, like the, the big breakthrough for me was when we were, I went to a trade show and I qualitatively anecdotally had looked at like, this doesn't feel like it's working. the conversations are super surface level. We're spending 30 to 50 K. If you look at all the travel and everything else, it's probably closer to a hundred K on some of these events. Like it doesn't feel like it's working. Um, and then I actually measured one because I thought I had a better way to do it. And the company was still continuing to do the trade show. So I measured it, I looked at all of the badge scans that happened, there was more than a hundred of them. And then I tracked them for six months into how many opportunities were created in Salesforce for those people in those accounts. And then how many deals actually closed and we created exactly zero opportunities from those badge scans and therefore closed zero deals. We probably spent 50K on that event, um, which was very finally eye-opening. Like the, I finally figured out how to use data to demonstrate the things that I thought weren't working. Um, and then went on a, uh, a very long path for the past five years of figuring out what are better ways to communicate with people. Um, and so that led me to mainly um, using content marketing with effective distribution. Um, as a way to get people um, aware of the brand so that we at some point have an opportunity to tell them about what we do. And so a lot of the content that we create doesn't have a lot to do with our product, but it does eventually lead to someone understanding me or my company or the companies that we work for. And then eventually they'll come to the website and be able to consume the value prop. And if the value prop resonates and we do our job well, then they'll convert. And when they do it that way, what Another thing that I found is that they convert to customers a lot better. Um, and so, uh, so, yeah, we spend a lot of time with uh, predominantly SaaS companies, um, showing them how to create content that people actually want to consume and then how to actually deliver it to them in ways that they consume it.
1: Awesome. Yeah, makes perfect sense. I, I kind of think about it like next generation of the HubSpot, you know, inbound model, which was, you know, super groundbreaking. I don't know how many years, fifteen years ago or something. Two thousand seven, six,
0: something like that. Yeah.
1: Right. And so, you know, same kind of principles. You know, what I've seen over the years is that companies get really impatient. <laughs> Right. You know, you have, especially being in venture, right? Like Mm -hmm. we're a venture backed startup. I've had venture backed startups before and everything is, it's so, you know, fueled uh, by, by these outside KPIs. the KPIs yeah. and growth quarter over quarter that you're like, okay, Chris, that sounds awesome. But like, I have a goal to hit and mm-hmm. I know that, you know, I, I'm not gonna be able to do that immediately. So I'm not going to right mm-hmm. um, So yeah, so super, super cool stuff.
0: I so, think uh, if, I, if you don't mind me interjecting a couple couple things. One, I think that the idea of inbound um, and how HubSpot set it up has not, for most companies, had, their mindset hasn't evolved. And so they still only rely on SEO as the main content engine. And the truth is when HubSpot invented that methodology, and, and I also don't like that they they haven't evolved in their messaging around this, is that social media was like non-existent almost, barely started. Like Twitter might've been popular at that time. And people consume information in a different way now Um, And there's also a lot of other targeting capabilities and things like that, that have evolved where I don't need to wait for someone to search for my long tail SEO blog. I can just go and give it to them with job title targeted ads and social and not wait nine months till they realize that they need to look for this. Um, And so that's, that's one piece on the SEO side. And then the second thing that I'd add is that if you are able to make that step and recognize that maybe like I don't have to wait for SEO and I can use paid ads to distribute it and all these different things, then you need to think long-term when you create the content. So every piece of content is not come buy my thing, come get a demo, come talk to my sales rep. You need to think long-term, but the results actually happen pretty quickly. Um, We see somewhere between one and a half and two sales cycles total. So if you're in a 30, 30 day sales cycle, like in 60 days after starting this engine, you're probably seeing pretty good revenue results from it. And so like um, I, I think it, the idea that if you do content marketing and brand that it doesn't create results for years um, is is wrong um, and driven by just like people not understanding how it's changed. Like it's a mindset of the 2007 inbound HubSpot SEO mindset, not a 2020 content marketing, paid distribution engine.
1: Yeah, I think that's really important. And another thing that comes to mind in that topic is way back then, right? The the SaaS solutions that were out there, like most of the business solutions out there were very simple, right? And now we're getting to a point where the solutions are nuanced. You know, the more you do, um, the more you kind of push the envelope, it's something new that hasn't existed before. I can say that is, in, in my view, is true of Aspireship and what we do. Um, you look at like sales acceleration tools and like some of these other things, right? They're, they're new things that lead to an outcome, you know, for a, a business to where they might be searching for that outcome. But it's not like constant contact back in the day of I'm searching for email marketing and who's going to
0: come up at the top, right? Mm-hmm. So Yeah, there's just uh, because of the rapid ability to, to iterate on your product. Like, um, a lot of products are one, you have more competitors in your space than you ever have before because the cost of entry is so low and second, secondary, the ability to iterate on the product so fast actually leads you to a space where in a lot of cases, like a lot of people could view your product as a commodity inside of a category. Like look at web chat, for instance, like web chat, for the most part, like I'm pretty detailed into understanding MarTech and web chat solutions feel almost like a commodity to me. And so a lot of people at this point, like because the product differences are actually quite small brand becomes the, the winner. Um, and the second, second thing is that the quality of a product is subjective based on your, your emotional attachment to a brand or an experience or anything like that. And so like, like, I might think that a product is better while someone else thinks that a different product is better. It's subjective. And so, um, being able to, uh, to win on brand, I think leads to, um, a a lot of growth, especially as products continue to kind of converge on the same solution, like they'll continue to add features faster and products will become more and more kind of like together almost.
1: Yeah, yeah, I totally I totally hear that and and really believe in in building brand and and what you're talking about. So if we bring this back to uh-huh. an individual rep, okay, so people that are gonna be engaged in this content, of course we'll you know post some on social and all that stuff, but people that are primarily gonna be engaged in this content, they're either going to be aspiring SDRs, current SDRs, aspiring AEs, current AEs, or people kind of trying to move up and, and shift things around, right? And so if I buy into this message, I'm like, okay, yes, I want to build brands and I'm willing to put myself out there as an individual contributor and create some content. Um, how does this look? What is the playbook for me as an individual rep getting started doing something like this?
0: Individual sales rep? Yes, yeah. So I, I think one interesting point is if you look at some of the most successful sales reps, like technically for my company right now, I'm the only sales rep, right? Um, I just choose to get my business through marketing, which makes sales a lot easier. Um, and so if you look around, like a lot of the really good sales reps have just become really good content marketers, which then makes their sales process much much easier. So I would highly encourage a lot of reps to to think about the things that I'm about to say. Um, the first one is that you need to understand your audience. And so I think a lot of reps only have a surface level understanding of who they're actually trying to sell to. Um, They understand the pain points that marketing taught them to try and drill them into a pain funnel. They understand the features about their product, but they don't really understand them. Um, and so th- that's number one. It takes a lot of work with non-immediate returns. Um, I think a lot of reps do not do it because tenure is typically so low. So I don't think they invest that amount of time because I am only gonna be here for 19 months um, and then I'm gonna try and get a promotion at a different company. So what's the point of spending three months trying to understand my customers? Well, I'll just you know wash, rinse, repeat, take the leads from SDRs and try and, try and push them through. Um, but if you can t- take over that step, Um, and especially for sales reps that aren't selling to sales reps. Right. So like I've been a sales rep or I've been a marketer whatever, trying to sell to ophthalmologists before, like I'm not an ophthalmologist. I don't understand them. I don't know how to speak to them. And so how am I going to be able to create content that they actually value? They actually value that matters to them. Um, So the first step is to understand them. And if you are in the situation with an ophthalmologist, the number one thing that I've found to do is instead of trying to become an expert in ophthalmology is to just interview experts that are ophthalmologists. Um, And therefore, because you are the one delivering the content and you are the one asking the questions, there's two core things that happen. The first one is that you get, you get viewed as an expert because you are curating the content. I think the intangible value is that because you're talking to all these people in non-sales situations, you actually become a lot more knowledgeable, which then leads to having better sales conversations, better, being able to better position your product, being able to better qualify, being able to close more deals. Um, and so just taking a step back and recognizing that, that um, if you do a couple of those things, usually your sales work better, um, I think is super helpful.
1: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Obviously, this is what we're doing right here. Right. So, um, you know, for me, I, I've been an entrepreneur most of my life. I've done, I've done BD, I've done product, I've done things in individual contributor roles. But for the most part, I've just been running companies or trying to create companies, failing, succeeding, you know, kind of the whole gamut. And um, so I've never been an SDR. I've never been in a, like, I've never been in any of these roles. Mm-hmm. And so when I set out to do this, you know, specific uh, thing with Aspireship, um, I have that exact outlook. Like I'm not, even though I actually know a fair amount about this, right? Because I've, you know, led companies and all that stuff. Um, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be the expert. I'm just going to ask people that really know, live and breathe it. Uh, and come from different angles. So uh, mm-hmm. big, big fan of the approach. Wow. So All right. So tactically, let's say that as a rep, I want to go and do something like this. I'm going to just do interviews over Zoom or maybe in person, podcasts, whatever it may be, and start building this brand and this content. Um, Presuming that I'm not at a tiny startup, which you might be, right? With just a few people on a sales team and you're close with your CEO and you can kind of ask, uh, him or her, you know, what they think about doing something like this. Um, how do I go about actually starting? Do I have to ask my company for approval? Like, what if 10 other reps on my team want to do the same thing? Like, have you run into this or had any, any words of wisdom on how to approach it?
0: I think it really depends. Um, so in some, like I've worked at medical device companies before that are regulated by the FDA, it's almost impossible for a sales rep to create their own context and it can violate like government laws. And so let's pretend that you're not in that bucket. Um, the next step would be to f- try and assess how accepted it's going to be organizationally. Um, and just don't go off and do it. If you're afraid that it might get you fired, like maybe you want to have the conversation with whoever you need to have first, you understand your organization better than I do. Um, and then I think it's about positioning. It's really about how you position the idea. And so, um, the way that I would do it, and I, I encourage, especially SDRs to consider something like this is, you know, I'm making, let's just pretend I'm making outbound calls for six hours a day just pretend. I don't, I don't know for sure what's happening in that space, but let's just pretend. Um, and I know what efficiency output I'm getting Let's just pretend I'm having so many connects and I'm generating so many deals. And I, I say, we have, we have six other SDRs. Um, I think that I might have a better way to do this. It's going to make the entire company more efficient and give us a better engine for growth long term. I'd like to do an experiment. So what I would like to do is instead of, instead of calling for six hours, I'd only like to call for three. And then the other three hours uh, over the next, whatever your sales cycle is, you decide, maybe let's just pretend like three to six months is probably an appropriate amount of time. That what I'd like to do is spend that time interviewing um, people and then figuring out how to distribute the content and then trying to, whatever you want to do, start a YouTube channel, um, build a LinkedIn community, build a Facebook page, start a... You know, private Slack community, whatever it is, you decide, whatever you think is going to be most effective with your company. But that's how I I position it as an experiment. That if it works, will change the tr- growth trajectory of the company. Um, and I've done that before at companies, not as a, as a sales rep, but as a marketer. And when positioned that way, um, and especially positioned as an experiment, not saying what we're doing sucks. I think this I'm going to do this better because you're going to get met with resistance in that way, usually. Um, So just saying that I think I might have a better idea. I don't know whether or not it's going to work. But if you look over here, like this company, Gong, is doing it and it seems like it's working pretty well for them. I think we should try it. Um, so another one would be to give an example of what good looks like. I've seen that a lot work really well with executives, um, pick a company that's, that's modeling the behavior that you aspire to get to. Um, so yeah, those are some of the ideas that I'm thinking about.
1: Yeah. Ironically, you posted a story on LinkedIn this morning, uh, about this. Um, you want to tell that story right now?
0: Yeah, for sure. So, um, so in 2015, 2016 timeframe, I, I started working at a company. And back then I was pretty early in my career. Uh, I had a very, very strong foundation in marketing found marketing principles and in product management. And now I moved into a company that was downstream. The role was downstream comps. The product had been launched. Um, there was no major updates coming. It was like, how we have the product, how do we sell it? Um, and, and this is the time where I like, I went to, uh, my main role was trade show execution and promotion, um, going to big meetings with the sales reps to be the subject matter expert to try and help them close deals. Like basically just being a second sales rep for people when they had huge opportunities, um, sales enablement, like training content and brochures and blah, 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 blah. Um, and, uh, and then I started doing it and I would go to these big meetings, with the the sales reps booked, and I would sit in and, you know, weigh in on the clinical trials about our products and all the things. And I did probably 10 of those. And what I realized in my head, like I could feel it was that we were talking to people that weren't ready to buy. And so like, I was flying from Boston to San Diego for a huge meeting, and would go to the meeting and would have a surface level conversation with somebody that wasn't ready to purchase our product. Um, And then I thought to myself, like, Kind of like what I just said, I don't think that this is the right way to do it. And then the next thing I did was uh, because trade shows were our main like budget piece. Like most companies are going to spend somewhere between 30 or 50 plus percent of their variable marketing budget on trade show booths and associated stuff around trade shows. And so in order for me to think about how I I could potentially run my experiment, I was going to need some money to do it need money for ads. I was going to need money to produce videos. I was going to need all these things. And so the first thing I did was the next major trade show that we had, I measured the success of it, um, which then gave people confidence of the idea that maybe there's a better way of doing something. And we didn't just immediately cut all our trade shows, but we went from doing 10 a year to three. And so over that period of 12 months, it opened up a lot of budget. And during that period of time, I was able to demonstrate that what I was doing was working better. And so they started siphoning budget from the stuff that wasn't working to the things that were working. Um, And it really did change my career Um, because while I was doing it, I worked in a company that didn't know how. And so I think uh, a lot of SaaS companies are in a, they basically all run the same exact demand gen play driven by the serious decisions, demand gen waterfall, um, jam as many MQLs in as possible, let the SDRs filter them through. We might get we might win somewhere between 0.1 and 1% of those leads, and that's okay. It's a super inefficient model. And I because I tested stuff like running ebooks and I deemed that they didn't work that well, and I found other ways that work better, I don't do it the way that other people do it. Um, which then kind of like led me to an incredible opportunity to start my own company. And so just by taking some initiative, working hard. And then being able to, over time, um, demonstrate business results, I was able to, to go from being a marketing manager five years ago to running over a seven-figure company in five years. And so um, it was uh, it's a really good story. I'm grateful that the company I worked for gave me the opportunity to do those things. And a lot of companies, they would have said no or whatever. Um, so I'm very grateful that that, that, that happened. And um, yeah, that's kind of the story.
1: Yeah, I think it's so awesome um, because there's, I think most people that are in these individual contributor roles, they think, hey, there's no way like that would ever happen to me, right? Like my boss isn't going to let me do that. My company isn't going to let me do that. Um, It might be an argument to say, well, you know, go somewhere where they will, right? Where they will encourage that innovation, um, at least give you a little bit of.
0: uh, I've been giving that advice a ton right now. Um, and I, I think a lot of people are finally starting to fall into this camp is stop wasting your time. Ch- if, if, give it your best shot, right? You're in a company already. You for, joined there for some reason. Um, if you haven't left yet, you must not hate it that much. Like there's a lot of reasons to try and make it work at the existing company. But if you go through some avenues and, and really try, like don't use this as an excuse to go and leave your job and find somewhere else. But if you really try avenues where it's just not working, the answer is not to continue to try and convince people it's to find people that are already convinced. (laughs) And that's the model that I, that's basically the model that I take. it's, um, um, in, for my business, like a lot of people that have a business like mine are going to get, get business a hundred percent outbound or referrals, referrals from existing clients or people that they know or whatever, which limits their growth. Um, And so they're going outbound and they're talking to, especially in a professional services company, you're talking to people that do not want what you're selling um, for the most part. And, and especially me selling a very progressive approach in marketing. I spend no time, like within three minutes of a conversation with a CEO, I can tell whether or not they're going to work with us. And if they're, if they're not aligned with what I'm saying, or they're talking about metrics that don't matter and I can't get them to move then I'm out. I don't, I don't spend time having a second and a third and a fourth call with a company that's never going to buy my stuff. And so instead I produce content about the things that I believe in, which then attracts the people that are already aligned with what I'm saying, or I've been able to do a good enough job educating them over the past 30, 60, 90, 120 days. And I have the patience to let that play out. Um, And then, you know, the people that do call me close in less than seven days for hundred thousand dollar deals. And so like people again, talk about like the things that I talk about, Oh, but it doesn't work in enterprise. We need to have a huge outbound engine that's so targeted at accounts. And I'm like, it's going to work in outbound. It's going to work in the enterprise, but no enterprise company seems to want to try it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I totally, I totally see that. Um, so, you know, I think the next logical topic for us to to hit is the SDR model in general, right? Um, you and I have talked a little bit about this uh, offline. Um, you know, in venture scale companies, B two B SaaS companies, uh, the. The normal thing now is to have a big SDR team that are feeding leads to AEs to close and they're doing these things, the outbound calls, the outbound emails and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. What's your opinion on the future of that model, the future of that role? Um, and how would you think about that if you're in that
0: seat today as you know a professional SDR? Yeah, so... <sighs> What I, over the past five years, I have done a, uh, analysis on probably over 30 different companies that run this type of engine. Um, and what I continue to find is that they, if you actually look and make a logical decision about whether the customer acquisition cost is worth that execution, oftentimes it's not, um, and so from a business standpoint, a lot of people running, a lot of companies running this model are burning money, not making money. And so they don't mind if their CAC, is, CAC payback period is 18 months um, because all they're trying to do is raise the next round of funding. Um, but over time, I see the, the effectiveness of that model continuing to decline if the, if the function doesn't evolve. And so I think this is multi-prong. The first one is, is what, do you do, what does that function do? Um, so I think that there, a lot of people would argue that there are better ways than making a hundred dials a day to do that type of job. Um, and so that that's one piece. And then the, a lot of people have been talking about how much should that function get paid? Should they be more experienced? All these different things. I think that as I assess it, that those are putting band-aids on something or trying, they're trying to fix the wrong problem. And so I've always, uh, I've continued to think, to think and see that moving to a full funnel account executive model is the right model. Um, from a buyer experience perspective, from a customer acquisition cost perspective, from, for a lot of different reasons, the challenge is that in order to ever have a shot of doing that model, you need to fix your demand gen marketing engine first. Um, and so companies, companies are not good at fixing that because of the things that I talked about before, they're going to drive through 30,000 MQLs that close at 0.1%. So you need a filter layer to go through those inbound deals. If you're using an inbound SDR qualification model, which most companies are doing now. And so you're not, if you're getting such low quality leads, you're not going to send them directly to an AE cause then you're going to waste their time. So this model was built to, to fix that problem. And I just would rather fix the problem at the top instead of the bottom. And so I'd much rather just fix the marketing and then not need that layer and just have quality going to the AEs. And then I believe that if you, if you're able to fix that and the AEs aren't, because when what happens is when the SDRs are actually, and this is no knock on SDRs, it's just black and white data. I see it across a bunch of companies, the, the, the outbound generated SDR leads close, at a pretty low rate, outs companies that I audit are somewhere between two and ten percent, and so that means your AEs are having to do somewhere between ten and fifty demos to close one of those deals, and so if you're able to instead inject a marketing engine where the deals are closing at let's say. 20 to 30%, they only have to do five to three to five demos to win a deal. Then the AEs actually have more time to then do some of the things that we're talking about, like interview customers, create content, distribute it, engage online, build a community, whatever those things. The the challenge is that there's so many other components to actually making the shift. So if anyone hears me directly say like, you should move to a full funnel account executive model, they're going to tell me that's dumb. Like that would never, I hear it a lot. That would never work. Um, but it's because they're thinking about it in section. You can't make the change directly. There's a lot of other, there's like a lot of other pieces that need to get put together to make the change. Um, we, we are making the change at several SaaS companies right now. We help them do that. The first step is fixing the marketing engine. Once the marketing engine, engine's fixed, the leads go directly to AEs. Over time, then the SDRs go outbound and then it exposes the ineffectiveness of SDRs going outbound. And then the SDR team is either shrunk or completely goes away, then you have a full funnel account executive team. So let's bring that back to what it means if you're an SDR. Is that going to happen at every company overnight? No, I don't even think it'll happen in the next 10 years. Um, and so I don't think that there's like a job security issue here. Um, however, I think what it comes down to on an individual level is deciding what you want to do. Like, do you, do you get excited every day to go and do that job or are you using it as a, um, as a way to get to the next level? Um, and, and then once you make that decision in your head, if it is, I'm using this job to get to the next level, then I would do everything you can to just get to the next level. I'm sure that I'm sure if you're listening to this, that you are, um, Um, but I think when I, when I say that and people hear it, people don't really understand what I mean. Um, and so like when I did the story that I told earlier, like when I did that job and I was doing my traditional marketing manager job while also building a demand gen function at a $35 million company by myself, like it required not going out and partying with my friends. I was on the phone with HubSpot support on a Saturday night at two in the morning, not out at a bar. Um, it required at times working seven days a week, like full days on Sundays. And so I think a lot of people, like if you, if you really want to get there, like then get there. Um, and it's not about like working super all the time, like crazy. I don't recommend that to most people. I have big aspirations and I chose that and I enjoy it and I'm happy that I did it. A lot of people wouldn't be happy doing that. And so, um, recognizing you know, what the balance is for you and how far and how ambitious you are in your career, all those decisions you need to make for yourself.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. And, you know, another way I think about it is just about building the skill set. So, whether you're SDR or you're going to be a full cycle, love AE it, love it. Not a, not a full cycle, but traditional AE, mm-hmm. um, the skill set we're talking about is how to attract customers through content, through brand, through that kind of stuff, right? So, if you're an SDR, this is something you want to do in addition to pounding the phones and whatever metrics you're supposed to hit on your activity, right? If you're an AE, this is a way for you to start building pipeline for yourself and show people that you can bring your own leads in. And then, then it's just about choosing, right? Like what's the better position for you to be in? I think most mm-hmm. people argue AE, There's some that think, you know, SDR in certain situations, but regardless,
0: um, then you choose, like you have the mm-hmm. whole, you know, full tool belt. For, for AEs, and I talked to a lot of AEs, whether I was an employee of companies or otherwise, and the, the consistent theme that I hear from them is the deals that I source are better quality than the ones coming from SDRs. And so if you know that for sure, and your compensation and career success are tied to the quality of those leads closing to deals, don't you think you might want to try and figure out how to do it yourself? Like that, I think that's just like, it it sounds, uh, rudimentary. And and sometimes I talk in a way that I hope like is able to like help people think about that statement. Um, because like it would be, being able to control your own destiny is much better than relying on someone else bringing you leads. And so like, as an, I I couldn't push harder. I mean, technically, like if you look at what I do for my company right now, I'm a full cycle AE in a marketing department by myself. And we got to seven figures in revenue in 10 months. And so like, you can do it. And you could, and if you're an AE and you're in a company that sells a high ACV product, you could probably make more money than that. So I could just talk just about doing it.
1: I can tell you straight up, Chris, there are a million marketing agencies out there. I, I couldn't name others like more than a few Mm
0: -hmm. right
1: and I know you because of your content right nobody connected us nobody did anything like that I saw your content somebody liked it started following you know loved it so much that I got on a plane came to LA and saw yeah I love
0: that man it was great to see you that was awesome
1: and uh you know it's uh it's all about being genuine and and bringing something unique to the table, and, and you do that, so um, yeah, really appreciate you. So I think where um, where we can end this is, do you have any just general advice uh, for? Uh, it doesn't have to be newer sales reps, but you know, sales reps in general as they start thinking about their career and thinking about how to make this transformation to think a bit outside the box without, hopefully, without getting fired in their current role. Um, any general advice you can, you can leave them with.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's a couple of things that came to mind when you asked the question. Um, the first one that I think about, especially if you're moving into like more venture backed, like early stage startups, um, as a, as an account executive is to really, really, really understand how good their marketing engine is and really understand how their product fits. Um, because there's a lot of, you know, pre-Series A or post-Series A, like in that range, companies that have been able to get to that round of funding by brute force sales, and it just doesn't scale. For the most part, that, that model usually breaks down somewhere between three and five million ARR. Um, and so, if you're coming in, they just raised a round and they're going to hire ten reps, like the whole thing might break. And so, I, I learned that, um, and I see other people talk about it a lot. Like, understand really what company you're getting into, I think is a big one. Um, I would, if I was a rep, I would seriously audit them. The uh, The metric that I've been looking at a lot is inbound revenue contribution or marketing source revenue contribution as a rep. And having that be higher, as high as high as possible, probably like, I, I like to target somewhere between 50 and 65%. I think that's a healthy number. Um, so understanding that number, and if the company doesn't understand it, then maybe they're not the right company. Um, and so one is just be really thoughtful about choosing, especially at early stage, choosing the right company and doing your homework there. Um, and then, uh, I think the next one that's I think really interesting for sales reps right now is to try, I've been super high on the the idea of side projects and then the side project can then be divided to, are you doing an additional function inside of your company or are you truly doing a side project that sets you up with the skills to then be successful in the future? And so what I did in, in marketing and like somewhere in the timeframe, 2013 to 2016, I started two e-commerce companies Um, and neither company made more than a hundred thousand dollars in the year. And the profit margins, like it wasn't a significant amount of money, like it was maybe 30 to 50 grand. However, the learnings of starting a brand, figuring out how to design it, how to build a website on a low budget, how to run Amazon ads, how to build an Instagram community, how to run Facebook ads, all those different activities that I did that didn't have a short-term ROI necessarily, but then propelled me to take all of those skills and move them into a B2B model and create a company around it. Um, We'll have a really long, high impact ROI over time. And so if you're, if you're a rep, like maybe think about like, how to create a podcast about something that you care about and try and figure out how to get that to a thousand subscribers. And then if you're able to do that, then maybe the next company that you go to where you're selling to, I don't know, private practice physicians, for instance, um, you can put together a podcast and be the top performing rep because in six months, you know how to get that podcast, have 5,000 physicians listening to it. And so I think there are a lot of avenues to, to build skills that will play out in a long mid to long-term ROI standpoint. Um, But a lot of people are too focused on how to get one more deal so they can make a little bit more money in the short term, not knowing how long their career will be and what skills will be needed in 10 years to be a successful sales rep as opposed to right now.
1: That's awesome, man. Really great advice. And I'll just uh, close by saying that um, really great leaders love people that take that kind of initiative. Um, and we encourage that and they, they don't stay in, in their position for long. Like their visibility goes up big time when they start thinking about new ways to do things, taking stuff upon themselves. So, um, if you're at the right company and you have the right people around you, like they'll, they'll embrace that kind of, uh, that kind of thing. So for sure. Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, Hey, uh, thanks so much, uh, again, for being here and, uh, we'll look forward to talking to you soon.
0: Yeah, this was a blast. Thank you, Corey. Talk to you later.